Alright. How have you guys all been? Good. Good. Yay. Good to see you guys all after the lockdown. How's everyone's lockdown? <laughs> Mixed reviews, okay. Um, Alright, so today we're just going to continue with the series we've been doing about the armor of God. And before we get stuck into it, we'll just have a quick word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to once again come here and be all together in person, um, spending some time focusing on your word and what you have to say to us and how it can change our lives. And Lord, I just want to pray that today you'd speak through me and that you'd give each and every single one of us a word um, that we can take and apply in our lives so we can learn to walk with you um, more closely. Amen. So... um, Basically, before we get started, I'm just going to do the reminder reading of where we're reading from because it's relevant. I know we've heard it every time. So can everyone open up to Ephesians 6 verse 10? And can someone read it? Like John? <laughs> oh, John's leaving. Okay, I'll read it. That's fine. <laughs> he's, got a good, he's got a good reading voice. Oh. All right. So I'll just read it. So says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of the dark, powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, which are. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So basically, um, to remind us of where, what we've been studying and kind of the context of what we're going to be going into today, I want to bring to our attention the fact that when Paul's writing this, we're talking about um, a spiritual warfare kind of life in which we're soldiers and we're not passive kind of agents in the whole story. We're active you know um the writing or like the the language that he uses it it has stuff like take your take his stand or put on the armor of god or take up your shield of faith it's all language that implies that us are being told we're being told to do something and this obviously we wouldn't be able to do any of these things without the work of the spirit in our lives but it doesn't mean that we're just um you know, what's it like? We're just there to be kind of like, get the waves to push us around. You know, we, have, we can do something. And this is what this text has been teaching us, what we're being told to do um, to partake in this spiritual warfare. All right. Um, and yeah, um, I was just going to bring up as well the fact that we talked about this when Shadi spoke to us in his call to arms um, message. And one part that he said that I really, really loved was when he gave us that new perspective on the verse. Um, 
where it says the gates of hell shall not prevail the church like we are the ones breaking the gates of hell rather than us being the defense on all occasions yes we're kind of on the defensive in terms of satan always being the other side to us because we've taken jesus side but we're on the offensive as well so that's something to keep in mind before we start and the other thing is that it says our fight is not a flesh and blood so when we're talking about our weapon or our weapons they're also not of flesh and blood our weapon um, is going to be a spiritual weapon okay and that's also what we're being going through so to recap the past few um weeks or months however long it's been now um we had the belt of truth and i think there was a lot to it but one thing i took away is dave was saying i wasn't dave it was john he was saying um tie up your loose ends get ready right we had uh the breastplate of righteousness that was dave okay and it was there to protect protect our heart right we had um Fairly speak last week about the gospel of peace and how it should guide us wherever we go. And this week we're going to be picking up um, on the shield of faith and what that means. So um, I really like the analogy that Paul or the imagery that he uses in saying that faith is like a shield. And basically what I'm going to be doing today is kind of giving maybe some observations to expand on what that actually means to the, the, our faith being a shield and how we can actually kind of practically take that up in our lives but first i'll open the floor up to everyone what do you guys actually kind of think faith is because it's such a common word that we use as christians but thoughts don't leave me on red <laughs> please Why do you say that? I had a couple of thoughts that I kind of came, like, wrote down when I kind of sat there and thought, what is faith to me? So I love that, trust, because it's relational. Um, a couple of the other things I thought of was, it's the belief that Jesus is authentically the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, it's actually believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, that is faith, because without faith, everything that Jesus says about himself might not make sense to me, and I might not believe it right faith is um me believing that the only way to salvation is through the finished work of christ and otherwise myself and everyone else fall short um, of that glory um and in hebrews 11 1 it just says faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance um about what we do not see so it's who we hope for who Jesus says he is. That is our hope. So that's our faith. Um, I'll go through a couple points um, and then we'll just have a discussion after about everything I've said. So expanding on that analogy, the first observation 
that I had was that the shield is there to protect the soldier, okay? The shield protects the man, right? Um, in the Greek, like in the original text, when I kind of looked into it, um, the shield that they're talking about, there's like multiple words for it, and it's not necessarily what I had in mind. It was like, you know, like the, the little round Captain America shield kind of thing. It's not actually that. It's referring to a shield that is basically, it goes from the length of your head to your toe, and it almost like translates to a door, all right? And that's what they used to go out into battle with, with a shield that would literally protect you from your head to your toe um, to protect all of you at the, at the at, like during battle. Um, and I guess when we ask in this spiritual battle that we're talking about, and it seems like it's, you know, the, the, the dark powers of the world and all that, like how am I meant to protect myself? The answer is going to be like your shield of faith. It's your faith that's going to protect you from head to toe, each and every single part of you. Um, and um, yeah, I was when I was reading, I, I was kind of going uh, through um, a sermon by Spurgeon. And I really liked this one bit that he was saying. He was kind of like likening this uh, big door-like shield to be um, protecting your mind from heresy, protecting your heart from temptation, protecting your eyes from lust, your tongues from speaking evil, and protecting your feet so you can keep, keep on walking. Um, and I just really like that. But seeing as to actually how will this shield protect me, let's look into that. So the first thing is the shield protects your arm. So um, when we have our first encounter with Jesus and we give our life to him and we believe in him, um, we grow into relationship with him, like Dave said. And what comes out of that, what should come out of that is a transformation within us and within who we are and we become more Christ-like, all right? So the example that all of us would have heard growing up is, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, okay? We're talking about love, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, for the sake of what I'm saying right now, you also become more holy because God says, be holy as I'm holy. You become, you grow in likeness to Him in purity. So, Essentially, the more you get to know Christ, the more you become like him. And in essence, I don't think that that makes Satan happy in the slightest. If anyone here does, I don't know. <laughs> that breaks everything I'm saying. So he doesn't like it. Um, the Christian joy, for example, when we say fruits of the spirit, is something that um, Satan despises. It's a sign of his mission losing right it's a sign of his um you know his side not winning um when we become more holy through knowing god and becoming more christ-like it's one less soul that satan has got okay um so it's a sign of him you know being at a loss here and because of that, that's why there is such thing as spiritual warfare. That is why we talk about, you know, Satan and um, the, like I literally just go back to it, uh, the powers of the dark world, the authorities, the principalities. That is 
why there is this warfare because it's always on the attack when satan sees that we are growing in likeness to god when we see that he is saving souls satan's response is to attack in many different ways but he does and what happens um when satan is attacking is essentially the only way for us to remain in christ and remain in his likeness is for us to hold on onto a shield which is faith the only way for you to be able to remain holy um throughout you know a season where satan is putting you through a trial or remain pure through a season where you're being tempted is to hold on to your faith even when you don't remember or you don't see why i'm doing it or it gets difficult okay and it's easiest to just give up the shield the, the only the main thing you have to block off that attack whatever it may be whatever sort of hardship it may be is the fact that i remember that i believe in christ because he is true and because he saved me and because his work is finished um and then this also goes to you know it goes for god's promises whether it is a promise that god gives someone individually or whether it's the general promise that we have in christ which is salvation through him um satan will attack that he will attack um our belief in that he'll attack the thought that oh i have complete salvation in christ and that's it that is it's done he'll constantly um try to break that break you down from that position so that he'll lead you astray um and your only your best defense against it is to hold on to your face right um so when speaking about you know a promise whether it's like i said it was like an individual promise or a the general promise that we we all kind of bought into is is that we we fight using our faith and there's a passage in the bible that is basically like a hall of fame of people in the bible displaying that it's in hebrews 11 and and it basically um it's too long for me to read the whole thing but if you guys want to pull it up that would be good as well i'll just draw you to like different verses but i encourage all of you to actually um read through it later cuz it's really good um so verse 7 says um actually no i don't have it up but <laughs> it's fine but verse 7 is um it just shows us that noah was warned of things he had not seen which was that god is going to you know rid the earth of all evil and in faith he condemned the world and built that ark right so in the way that he was tempted to kind of conform to everyone else's idea about what was going on noah's only defense against that was to just have faith in god and what he promised him um in verse 11 it talks about abram and sarah and where god promised abram and sarah a child past um childbearing age to them it seemed impossible and to everyone else it seemed impossible right and because of abraham's faith isaac was born right in verse 24 it brings up how god gifted moses with the role 
of bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt. And even though it was, it seemed like a task that was like a, a monumental task, um, it was in faith that he had to rebuke the wealth and the life that he could have had um, as being a royal there to do the work of God. So, in essence, in that first point is, in our Christian walk, our faith in Jesus will keep, um, will keep our eyes on Jesus in our walk. Second point is um, the shield that we have is intended to take the blow that was intended for us, right? So um, a common misconception that I am very aware of, and I think I had it as well before I became a Christian, maybe a little bit after I became a Christian, is that if I believe in God, if I believe in Jesus, um, I will not go through any sort of harm. God will protect me because God loves me. Like, why would I suffer? And I guess that's where the question of, like, why do good people suffer? That's not necessarily um, the truth, or that's not necessarily what the Bible says. Um, we're told to take up our shield, and we wouldn't be told to take up our shield had there been no blows coming in our way, right? Had there been no attacks coming our way, we wouldn't actually need a shield. We wouldn't need that faith. So rather than actually um, believe that we are kind of immune to all the attacks of the world, we should see that we're rather immune to the harm that could come from the attacks of the world. When we have our faith and we hold on to it, we can be assured that any blow from Satan will not it will not we're not going to lose our salvation because that's set in stone that's the finished work of Christ but it doesn't mean nothing will happen to us um, the point is yeah so hardships trials all of those may come but God is still working um, working it for good according to his purpose and I guess the question here is how does my faith then make a difference and the answer to that is because we believe God is for us, we persevere. Because we believe that through our faith that God is working every sort of hardship or trial for, for good, um, we're then able to keep going. Um, an example that is an incredible um, example in the Bible of that is Job. Um, and basically in his story, we just learn that this guy suffered all sorts of calamities in his life. You know, he was exposed to the worst of it all. And yet we see that Job's final word to God in a very extensive kind of look into Job's mind and a conversation between him and God as well is that he says... I know you can do all things, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And what we see there is that it's a statement of faith. I know you can do all things and that your purpose cannot fail. Despite whatever may be coming at me, because I have faith in who you are, I know that your purpose can't be changed and I know that you are for me. And that's a really, really important thing to have. Um, and I guess this also ties into us as Christians, not just Job, 
why we as Christians, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. And that's why we're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down and not destroyed because we have something to hold on to. And that's our faith that our God is good and he has a purpose for us and he can keep us going. Right. Third point is that for my shield, which is my faith, to actually be functional, it has to be strong. Um, can you just imagine if a soldier went out into battle and, you know, the first strike to his shield, the whole thing shatters. This guy's in trouble. Like, it was no point. It was just dead weight you were carrying. In the same way that this soldier needs to be sure that whatever he's holding before him protects him, we need to be sure that our faith, that we're going into um, the world with, is strong enough to protect us. Um, back in the day, so when I did my research, when they made those shields that they went out with, um, it had to be made of one piece of whatever it was, bronze or iron. It was never two pieces or two different um, you know, metals or whatever that were like adjoined together and then it was made into a shield. It's always one piece and that's the strongest it could be. And I guess in the same way, us having our faith to face the world with, it can't be made of multiple little things. It's just got to consist of... No, all good, all good. Um, yeah, so I was saying, it's the same, in the same way your shield back in the day in going into battle had to be made of one piece that was solid, your faith needs to be made of one thing only. It's that Jesus' work is the only way um, through which you can have salvation. If you 90% believe that Jesus died for you and that's good enough, but also I have 10% faith in my wealth or I have, you know, 5% faith in my, um, my status or my friends or whatever it can be that I can fall back on, it will shatter. Maybe not at the first strike, but a couple strikes into life, your faith will shatter because it wasn't actually made of the one thing that um, would be strong enough to withstand the trials of life, Right. And I guess that's why, you know, Jesus really stresses on this point. In the one example that I said, you know, your wealth, if that was something some of us, um, you know, fall back on. Um, he says, it's easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle, through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And that's because at some point, whatever wealth that rich man was planning on falling back on, it's not going to be sufficient to protect them. It's not going to be enough for them to be, you know, justified before God, because that's not what justifies you. It's actually Jesus' work. Um, and for my last point, um, let me recap, just so we can have it kind of in our minds. So first point, let me find it. It was that, the shield protects the man, big shield. Second point, 
was that the shield's meant to take the any blow intended for you. Third point is the shield needs to be strong to function. And lastly, the shield needs to be handled correctly. A good soldier knows how to handle their shield. They know it inside out. They're comfortable with it. They know how to use it when they're going out into battle. They don't take their shield for the first time. It's not the first time they've trained with it. So what does that mean for us? For a shield to be useful, you hold it before you. You don't hold it. You don't put it over your back. Okay, you don't put it on your back, strap it, and walk into battle. You're, you're screwed if you do that. It's not good, okay? Um, it's in the same way our faith is our coat of arms. We need to wear it like it's our shield. It goes before us. It's our testimony that is a sign of that faith going before us. It's not something we should hide. Because if we're hiding it, it's not doing its job, okay? Our faith is not intended to be hidden. And what this kind of is talking about then is the idea of our faith needs to be public. Um, and when we're talking about public faith, there's a couple of thoughts I had. So public, like publicizing our faith, I don't think necessarily always means me going, standing on the corner of some street in the city and screaming, although it might, I don't know, just, just say. It actually just might mean not hiding my faith, okay? It might mean not hiding who I am before my immediate circle or the circle I'm around most days um, and just letting them, letting the people around me see the way that Jesus is transforming me, okay? Um, doesn't necessarily mean that I have to kind of Bible bash people around me to publicize my faith, but it actually means don't hide it, okay? It's not something you should be hiding. It's not something you should be ashamed of. Um, another thing is that Jesus actually really cared about this, okay? He also said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So this is not a trivial thing. This is something he cares about, okay? Make it. It's, it goes before you. It's something you hold before you, your shield, your faith, okay? Um, and I guess when we're speaking of public faith, something, a story that comes to my head um, that really sh plays into that is the story from the Samaritan woman, okay? She, um, it was an incredible example um, where the woman who goes from being an outcast in her town, and we know that because she went to draw water out of the well at noon, which is the time that no one else went. They all went together, all the women went to draw water together earlier before the, it was that hot. But she had to go out, you know, in the heat of the day alone because she was an outcast. She wasn't accepted because of what she did. Um, and when she had her encounter with Jesus, the very first thing she presented to her whole town when she went back was her faith. She said, um, you know, this man told me everything I have ever done. Okay, it was not about her anymore. She was transformed and then her faith was leading her before everyone else. Um, so yeah, a public faith is an effective faith. The second thing in, um, you know, how to handle your shield is to hold it securely. So a loose grip on a shield can basically cost you your life, okay? In the same way that a loose grip and on your, on your, in your faith or 
just not caring or taking it a little bit too trivially, it can actually cost you your eternity. It's not a, it's not a joke. It's not a, um, it's not a trivial matter. So I guess the lesson for us is to be diligent in ch- um, chasing after God and chasing after God's heart. Um, I guess the devil loves to use our weaknesses um, to lie to us about God and what God has already said. Um, so, for example, the devil might try to convince us that, you know, we need to do more. We, we're not good enough to be saved kind of thing. But if we're not careful to hold on tight to the word of God, hold it with like the, our strongest grip, those lies will they'll go through and they will actually be effective. So I guess our, um, yeah, our biggest defense is to be diligent with how much we um, understand the Bible, how much we know it, the doctrine, the truth of it, right? Um, and the psalmist puts it where he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So again, it's, this is not me making it up. This is in the Bible. We're meant to be as diligent as we can be with this. And the last thing in um, handling that faith is, or that shield, is to hold it always. Um, you don't just hold it a little bit in the battle and then when you're tired, you kind of chuck it because like, my hand hurts. It won't work, right? If you're not holding it securely always before you, it won't work. You need to, you know, persevere in that faith. Um, and even when it kind of gets difficult and when it gets, um, the, the times can get tough, the reason all of us should pause and think, why should I not just drop my shield and just give up? is because you'll see that God's never failed you before. And because he hasn't failed you before, he won't fail you now. So holding it always. And yeah, I guess that was all I wanted to say for today. Um, so yeah, just recapping on all of those parts is for your faith, should protect you, should protect what God has um, worked in you. And it should take the blows in, uh, intended for your life, but you are safe if you have your uh, faith. And it needs to be strong. So I guess all of us need to consider what do I actually, at the end of the day, what, what will I fall back on? What are my priorities? How can I see that? And lastly, am I using my shield as best as I could? All right, I'm done. Now we can discuss.